Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. All right, and we are live, Brian. Blood alone moves the wheels of history. I didn't know that we were going to have uh, Mrs. Gilfoyle here with us this evening. <laughs> so I text you almost immediately after watching that. F- like It was exactly like Dwight Schrute's speech, and I'm so glad it's become a meme. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I just want to let everyone know that Brian uh, said it first. <laughs> Thanks. I, I immediately, when I saw it become a meme, I also text Kevin. I was like, shit, they're going to think I'm just copying every other important meme or, you know, funny commentary on it. And I, I, I thought I was the first one. No, you were in my mind. Sorry about that, too. I just turned the fan off. If you guys didn't notice already, we're going to be talking about the RNC this evening. That's yeah. going to be a lot of fun for Brian. He, I think he's super excited. He had a ton of fun watching it. I really tried. I know you did. And watched all of all of it. And you know what? We have to, t- to be fair, coming from my point of view, where I am very centrist, I had to struggle to watch both. <laughs> so somebody make me some cookies. So yeah, we're going to be covering uh, day one and day two, recap of the uh, RNC. And then uh, we are going to finish it up uh, with a little bit of, uh, of a conversation about Kenosha. Very difficult topic yeah and, and we're gonna we're, keep it very broad and just uh kind of give our thoughts about it and what we think it means i guess with the climate that we're in in the u.s here yeah just kind of talking about i mean we don't know all the details so we're gonna we're gonna get into like kevin said the broad issues that are at hand both you know the day of the event and what transpired after Absolutely. But why don't we go ahead and get started with the RNC? And I think, Brian, you wanted to kind of go over their claim of the party without a platform. Yeah, that really So why don't you explain me. to everybody yeah. the, the kind of story behind that? Well, and if we take a step back to Sunday, you and I were talking, and I brought up this idea of, like, where does the Republican Party go from here? Like, what are they going to, like, be? And it turns out that they're not going to be anything except Trump loyalists. That's what they said. They said, we're not writing up a platform for the RNC. You know, part of the DNC RNC purpose is to present your platform for the upcoming election. Now, even as the incumbent, you want to bring up as part of your platform certain ideals that you're trying to uh, reach or uh, policy you're trying to accomplish. And the Republicans said, we will just enthusiastically back whatever Trump wants to do. And I think personally, it's a hedge for them as a party. They can say, well, Donald Trump lost in 2020, so it's his fault. We were backing him. We didn't really have our platform. We're going to get back to our traditional platform in 2024. Or it's successful, and Trump wins that base. He wins the Electoral College like he did in 2016, and it works out in their favor. So they kind of now have this hedge of if it doesn't go well, for the 2020 election, they can kind of fall back on. Yeah, it's, hey, like, it's, it's not our fault. It's like an exit plan, almost. Yeah, and I think it's going to be as effective as the exit plan in Iraq. <laughs> Coming with bombs already this early? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So, and, and here's here's why this really bugged me. And, and we're going to talk about some people that actually were strong figures in the RNC. 
I feel like the Republican Party needs to get back to something, and that's why so many people have not bailed on the party, but like removed themselves from the current party as it stands. The Lincoln Project people, uh, the Kasichs, even even Romney has kind of distanced himself from the party. Not so much as like, hey, I'm not a Republican anymore, but he's been outwardly vocal towards uh, Trump. So I think for me, the troubling thing going into the RNC, I knew I was going to disagree with things, but at least like if you have a platform, I can understand where you're coming from and saying, I don't, we don't have a platform. We're just going to support Trump. I found that to be deeply unsettling. I, I think that I, I do agree with you there. Um, I feel that because uh, I think I said when we were kind of reviewing the DNC that I felt like everybody was repeating the same thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was almost tenfold. I think if I went back and watched the DNC now, I may have a little bit of a different view on it or be a little bit more, um, dare I say, appreciative of what they had to say. Yeah. Um, but I think big time, you know, especially when you got into like the Trump family. Um, I feel like there was a lot of just like repeating the same thing. Um, but I do think that, like you said, there was, there was actually, um, I guess kind of like some stars. Um, I think there were some people that kind of knocked it out of the park, um, comparatively, I suppose. Um, did you want to start going into that a little bit, Brian? Or did you want, yeah, I mean, you wanted to say about the platform? Yeah. One other thing is there's been this kind of cult of personality regarding Trump and like, that was the most troubling thing for me going into watching the RNC after hearing that platform and the RNC other than a couple of speakers really reinforced that for me. It's not about, Hey, these are our conservative values, our fiscal policies. This is, we support this one man in his vision. And that is very, very authoritarian and I'm not the person who has been saying Trump is an authoritarian, blah, blah, blah. But when you hear we have no platform and then Trump starts talking about how we should have 12 years because the first four they spied on me, we should have the 12 years. And I think I know that that was slightly jocular, though, because it, it he said he had everybody chanting four more years, four more years. Yeah. And then he said, uh, I, I think he was I think he was making a joke. So I hope he was making a joke. So So that's why I'm like. You're talking about in his first speech? So in his first speech and then prior, like a couple days before he had talked about it. And it it scored well with the crowd at the time. So he brought it back during the RNC. And I'm not ready for another FDR. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we believe in the Constitution, we can't because of the 22nd Amendment after FDR. And you know I do. Exactly. So I, I really, really struggled with the RNC lead well, the lead up to the RNC. And I was trying just like I did in 2016 when Trump was elected, when president Trump became the guy after Hillary lost, I was very vocal and Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, this guy can do what he says. And for me, he's not fulfilled a single promise. Um, hasn't laid out any policies that have been beneficial, but it went into the RNC saying, hey, maybe it could be something. And I felt the same way I did in 2016, where I was just completely let down. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to... I was actually going to look up policies, <laughs> things that he's actually accomplished. Well, then let's, let's jump into the RNC. Yeah. And yeah. 
it was also held virtually for the most part. Um, right. Minus the whole, uh, what was it, uh, North Carolina? Yeah, and then they did have, I think on day two, they had people at the White House. that, But it wasn't a big crowd or anything like that. Right. Um, and that was by design. I'm not trying to poke fun at you know Donald Trump and his crowd sizes and all that. Yeah. I, I'm serious. I thought it was a really good thing that they moved virtually. Right. Uh, yes, and at North Carolina, Trump's beginning speech of the RNC, there were people there, but it wasn't like this mass mass gathering, which yeah. I was actually very happy about. Certainly, um, but that kind of that kind of got us rolling into it. Was Trump talking, and I couldn't I wait. Didn't for think, I didn't think his what I what I didn't really enjoy about his speech, and I you know what I mean. I I, I jokingly texted Brian because I was listening to it, and so. Um, you know, when you're a stay at home father by day, bartender by night, um, your time is very limited. And so I was watching my son play in the sprinkler in the front yard and I had, <laughs> I had the, uh, the Trump speech on my, my little JBL speaker. And I was like, Oh, someone, someone's going to drive by and not enjoy this for sure. Yeah. Um, so I didn't listen to all of it. It was a very, it was a longer speech. Um, and I just feel it was more of the same. You know what I mean? It was him. Uh, you got to give the guy credit. He has so much charisma. He uh, seems very cool under pressure, very calm. I think that's got to be some sort of medication. Um, <laughs> uh, big time. You know what I mean? Like he's just, you know who he is? He's like the, um, he's got like a silver tongue almost. Yeah, I think he he's knows. A good, he, he he's knows like a car to, salesman. Yeah, he exactly. He, he, Kevin, I, would you, buy, I would buy a car from him. Kevin, you hit the nail on the head. He is a car salesman. A used car salesman. Oh, that yeah, Brian's knocking own, it down. <laughs> his own little, but he's got a couple. He's got a chain of car he, sales. All he's doing uh, is selling lemons to people, title wash cars, and ripping them off. Oh, and then yeah. when he gets caught, he goes bankrupt. Yeah, but then he starts another one in a different town. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's, he's the old uh, traveling salesman, yeah. right? Or yeah. the carnival. You know, he travels with the 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 carnival so he can sell things and and he's very much like a he's very much like a um like a woodrow wilson where he enjoys his yes men he enjoys he likes to be coddled yeah Um, gosh great you're killing it on the references yeah you know (laughs) better not get them all out of the way (laughs) (laughs) i gotta save a few for later but i think that um it was perfect because it was his crowd. So he was in his element. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's it's like and a he's Q, missed it's that. like it's it's like a QAnon. Like I don't know very much about them, but they they really seem to like me. You well, know what I mean? And so I think that that was like right where he was at. Where like it was it was perfect. You know what I mean? He it was exactly what he needed. The crowd was feeding into him constantly with the chant: four more years, four more years. Uh, so I, I think that was great. Like for him. Yeah. I just I didn't take anything away from this speech. No, to be no, absolutely with you. no. His, his, Other than he wants to be in office for yeah, four more his, years. His speech, you know, was a bunch of you know fluff as it always is. But I think you do really hit a, a great point where he hasn't had that during in a the long COVID, time, yeah. you know, pandemic time period because people couldn't have gatherings. I mean, he had the Tulsa one, but other than that, yeah. there wasn't a lot of rallies. He probably slept great that night. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I feel it did, you know, rattle up his base and get him all excited again yeah. uh, in terms of it being effective. I know one of the strategies that I read about was that they were going to try, similar to the Democrats, bring those middle voters. Like, that's what everyone's fighting for. You have your yeah. staunch Democrats, your staunch Republicans, yeah. uh, where you're losing is those centrists. 
and I think he was trying to play to that a little bit. Yeah. But um, also gathering his crowd though, because I think that one thing that he's done uh, successfully during his candidacy and during his campaigns is um, further dividing the parties. I think that um, he did lose some Republicans along the way or maybe lost some centrists. But I feel like the people who are like diehard Republicans are even more diehard Republicans now because I feel like they maybe feel the need to defend Donald Trump. I don't know what what your thoughts are on that. Well, yeah, no, I think when we say diehard Republicans, I feel like the diehard Trump supporting Republicans are more in tune now. When we say diehard Republicans, those are the ones like the the George Conway, Steve Schmitz that developed the Lincoln Project because they believe in the party of Lincoln, not the party of Trump, which now we know for a fact this is the party of Trump. This is no longer the party of Lincoln. They don't have a platform. They have a personality that they are following, not a policy. Mm. That's actually that's an, that's an interesting uh, an interesting statement right there. Yeah, I think that I think that you're you're somewhat right in that. I think there's some truth to that that they're we're following they're they're following. I shouldn't. I'm not going to lump myself into that category. Uh, they're they're <laughs> staying out of that swimming pool. Um, I think that they definitely they. Yeah, they're they're following a person. They're following a some sort of a pundit. Um, why don't we Why don't we shift gears? Yeah, I was just going to say, why don't we? Can we start with Let's find Let's start with what you really uh, the people that you liked from the RNC, and I, you and I agreed on the first person, yeah. so we can start right yeah. there. We're going to start with Tim Scott. I think he's a superstar in the Republican Party, not yeah. just the party of Trump. Like, yeah, he doesn't have to kind of bow to Trump per se. Like, so right. many of these other Republicans are kissing the ring and, and really. Yeah flaunting all of the great things he's done. Tim Scott really focused on what the Republican party is supposed to stand for right. and, and all that. You could, there, there was some pride in what he was saying. Yeah. And he's which a, I, you know what I mean? You didn't see that with a lot of other people no, on both sides. of the aisle. No, he was very, very eloquent. I thought, I mean, what was the line that he had the, from, from, from cotton to Congress. So I he mean, basically said within the last hundred years, it was, it his great. It was, a, it was his grandmother. Was, I thought it was his grandfather, great grandfather, or grandfather though. Oh, I think it was it was one generation above his mom. Okay, yeah, but basically was a slave and yeah. was picking cotton. Well, yeah, I think she was. He was an no. It was, servant. it was it was his grandfather, and then his he was from a single family, yeah. a single parent household. That's is it. what it was. Bottom um, line, I mean, he he nailed oh, he it. Na- I think he I think he was great, and if if I had to vote for one candidate. Or for one person, I should say, that gave a speech. I was watching that speech, and I was like, "This guy might like if he were running for president, I might vote for him." You know, I mean, I have to know more of his policies and everything like that, and his yeah. background a little bit. But I think he was a, a, an eloquent speaker. I think that he hit some great points, and I thought that he was very, um, I thought he was very undivisive. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with some of his policies. I think he exaggerated right. a little bit. I think you'll bit. find I'll yeah. think that you'll find that with anybody. And, and you have to embellish a little bit, I think, at some points. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't Kamala the Harris. type of it wasn't the t- it wasn't the type of embellishment. It was a debate. <laughs> it wasn't the type of embellishment though that is bordering lie, right? It wasn't it wasn't right. like that. I th- Absolutely. it was something about, you know, economic growth and, and embellishing is yeah, a perfect word. It was something very similar that was like, okay, you're talking about inflation being the difference. And he was a little off on that. But other than that, he was very, very sound. And I do think in 2024, regardless of what happens with 2020 and Trump, yeah, because I'm pretty hopeful that even if he wins, he 
we'll uphold the 22nd Amendment. <laughs> that would be a tough one to overturn, but go on. I think Tim Scott could be a superstar. I really, really have pause, though, because I don't know if the Republican Party as it is today could mm-hmm. really ever promote a black man to the level of being the primary candidate. And, and I don't say that like, I'm but not I also, saying all, all Republicans are racist. I understand, I'm not what, I understand what you're saying. He's the only Republican in the Senate that is black. So it's in, and you know, they don't have a long history of electing. Blacks and he was the first. Power. Yeah. So he was the first. They don't, too. they don't have this history of promoting black yeah. people within the party. So that's but I think I that I think that the Republican Party, one thing that they're going to have to do in the future here is completely rebuild and com- completely revamp themselves, um, almost like a rebranding. I think that that would be a great thing for them after after this. And that's not again, I try to stay pretty like mm-hmm. unbiased. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that after Trump, just because of the division that he's caused in the country and between or amongst the parties, I think it's going to be good for them to kind of like, um, yeah, kind of regroup a little bit. Yeah. And, and that was another issue I had, you know, other than Tim Scott, I didn't ever get a feel for this idea of reunifying America. Right. It, it, whether it was Trump, Trump or a Trump or another one of the Trumps speaking. Here he goes. <laughs> it was constantly like this badgering of us against them. Yes. These radical leftists. Yes. And like. Agreed. We really need to get away from this idea that Biden is a radical left. Like Bernie Sanders isn't radical left. He's very far left. He's not radical. He's not breaking it, it the depends, law. It depends on how. Right. Well, yeah. What you consider radical. Right. So he's not breaking the law, trying to manipulate the law to, you know. Uh, subversively change the constitution into a more socialist agenda. Like that's not what's going on. But even if you're going to say Biden is left, Biden is very, very centered for, for being a Democrat, right? He's not even as far left as AOC, Kamala Harris, you know, uh, Warren and Bernie. Like Bernie's too far. And we talked about this. Bernie's a little too far for me, but that's because you know how I feel about taxing. Yeah. And that's, and, that's a great discussion to have. Yeah. What is going on though from Trump, 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 or the other Trump was this constant badgering of shit that's not real. Right. Well, just badgering in general. And that was a point that I was going to bring up a little bit later, but I'm, I'll, I'll kind of delve into yeah. it now. Is that okay. something that bothered me about both uh, conventions? was just it's and I, I understand and brian made a good point off air when we were talking about this that's just the way the politics are it's very like they, everyone goes low um for the most part except michelle obama i thought she did okay she's no, still go, she but no, she's still go, no she said they go low we go high that's, oh well that's what i was referring to i understand good point <laughs> <laughs> but i um <laughs> But I feel like um, on both sides, you know what I mean? Everybody from the DNC was just, all it was is Trump is the worst, he's the worst, he's the worst, he's the worst. And now you get the same thing from, from the other side of the party. You know what I mean? But or from the other side of party What I will too. say for the Democrats was they referred to certain things. His pandemic response was yeah. terrible. His Okay. That, so that's okay. what I was saying. Yeah. Like when they're attacking they, Biden. They, they went into it a little bit more. Tim Scott. I think it was Tim Scott actually talked about, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden didn't, you know, really help the African-American, you know, culture community when he wouldn't support busing, you know, 
during the that period of of politics. So right. you know, he he went after some policy, and that's why I really like. Yeah, I didn't like everything he said, but I enjoyed the actual substance that he was able to drive home. Like right. he had something there. The only other speech that I was like, oh, this is actually really good for the first part of it was Melania's. Agreed. For the first, about the first like five to six minutes of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think think she she was great. She sympathized. And I didn't know. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of Melania. And I know I'm not going to go down that route and take easy jabs at like, oh, well, you know, they have marital issues or anything. Much appreciated. Like, Like, (laughs) I'm not. And I know she, I got very frustrated. I was watching on something and they have like a chat on the side and people start making like, I know you don't agree with her policy or her husband's policy or whatever, but like, don't, don't make fun of her for, you know, not speaking English fluently or perfectly, I should say. But I thought the first six minutes was very sympathetic and we haven't seen that out of the Trump administration. We haven't for seen that years. really out of the RNC a yes, whole lot. Yeah. You know, that's not their big thing. And to sympathize and talk about, you know, people losing family members to, you know, first responders having to deal with COVID and, and all of this. I thought Melania did such a nice job. It went way too long and had no direction. I after think that, that, yeah. So I, I wouldn't I think say it was a great a... speech, but it started off really well. And I yeah. was like. Okay. Tugged at a few heartstrings, you know what I mean? Kind yeah. of like sympathized with everybody. Um, and actually, so if, if we want to, just because you brought up like um, her accent, um, somebody else, and I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but did you listen to the Maximo Alvarez, the Cuban the, immigrant? Was he Cuban? I thought he was Venezuelan. Cuban. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Um, I, well. I thought his, his was great. And what I liked about his the most uh, it went on a little bit, but it was it was telling a story, and I feel like as far as everybody goes, he was the least. He sounded the least scripted. Mm-hmm. Like he was telling the story of like, uh, you know, how he came here with his father. Um, you know, what I mean, with with nothing to his name, and he and he, you know, he built himself up, and yeah. now he owns this business in Miami. Um, and I, I really enjoyed his speech. I won't go into it too much, um, but I thought it was very powerful. And I thought that it was very. It, I would have liked it more had it not been an agenda piece. What are they trying to do with a Cuban immigrant? They're trying to paint get the, the left. Vote. No, they're trying to paint the left as Cuban wannabes. <laughs> I didn't take that. I didn't take that away from there. Oh yeah, because he was able to come to America and do this all on his own, and. He didn't, you know, he does not support what they were doing back home. And right. what it was happens knock, when you get it was, socialist it was a big is you knock have on socialism. It was a big knock on socialism. I'll give you that. Um, but I but it was, it was, a, it was a very nice narrative. Like it was a good. I don't think it was like scripted the way that like Nicholas Sandman's was. Let's go into that. I want to hear <laughs> I don't you have, speak about I that. don't have a whole lot to say about it. It was like embarrassing. You know how like when you do a speech, when you're like, so, okay, so like freshman year in college. And you have to take speech class, <laughs> okay? Yep. And you know how, like, you like if you end it with a plug. I don't, if if you haven't watched it, it's it's worth a watch, not f- informative wise, but just as a little laugh. Like, ah, oh, yeah, I probably used to give a speech like that. You know, the kid's like he's young. Yeah, you know, he's a college yeah. kid. Uh, and for those who don't know, basically, he just had an eighty million dollars settlement from CNN. Oh, did he yeah, really he got get eighty that million dollars because they smeared him? Allegedly. (laughs) 
But he was filmed. He was on a class trip to Washington D.C. and he was filmed at the Washington, or not the Washington Monument, at the Lincoln Memorial. Mm -hmm. And um, he was with some of his other friends. It was a Republican group, I think, that he was with, or something. Yeah, they were all wearing MAGA. MAGA Well, he had bought a MAGA hat, according to him, according to his speech. (laughs) He had bought the MAGA hat there, Uh, but he was walking up, and there was protesters, basically. Uh, that came up, and uh, one of them was a Native American fellow um, who, I believe it was his son that was filming him, if I read this correctly, if I listened to that this correctly. That sounds right. Um, and he was beating this drum, and the kid had like an awkward smirk on his face, and he was wearing a MAGA hat, and CNN had a field day with it saying that he was like torturing these poor Native American people or giving them a hard time. You know what I mean? Or laughing at their culture. I don't remember what it was. But basically they did a court they had a court case about it and now he just settled out of court for something like 80 million with CNN because they kind of proved that he didn't do anything wrong that day. Um yeah, I mean and And so so he had a speech. I'm sorry. No, I don't no, mean to cut you off Brian, but I I should probably no, finish where we were going that. with that. Uh so anyways, he had a speech uh, at the RNC pre-recorded and it was just super dorky. Very religious. Um, not that I have any problem with religion, but I'm a big believer in the separation of church and state. Um, and he just went on and on about how the left paints people in the wrong way. And mm-hmm. he went into like cancel culture, but very poorly. It wasn't a very good like yeah. delve into it. And then he ends the speech. <laughs> like, And this is where I get college speech classes. And uh, one more thing. And he throws on his MAGA hat and he goes, let's make America great again. <laughs> And I was like, dude, I mean, you would have gotten an A in your speech class for sure, yeah. but. <laughs> Maybe an A minus if it was a liberal teacher. Which most are. Yeah. <laughs> so A minus. A minus. And uh, that's just so the teacher doesn't seem biased. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the show Community, but they do a big bit on oh, yeah. minuses. Oh, yeah. And they give Annie an A minus and she freaks out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. With, well, with, and, and, you with, know, and, with Sandman, it's like fine, but what? I, why, I, I, why I didn't see the there? point of it. I why didn't see is the point he of there? It. Just because it was it was a smear against uh, like left cancel culture and and, and 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 mainstream media. That's what it was. That's what it was. And, it, and they had that eighty million dollars settlement to kind of sh- like. Ha, 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 ha. Um, I did see a really good bit online though about somebody talking about how be- he thought that in the settlement. Uh, he signed on the like CNN has to air all of his things unedited and can't say anything about it because CNN aired it and said absolutely nothing about it. They just went next speech. <laughs> it was pretty. Um, That's pretty good. It was a little beautiful. Um, I, if if we can go back to, yeah. did you want to talk about Sam? No, 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 go ahead. Um, because I wanted to bring up one other one that I really enjoyed that you sure. didn't get a chance to watch. Sure, and that was Kim. I think it's class classic. Okay, classic. yes, yes, yes. I don't know. How to say I it. did not watch hers yet. And I, she is a, uh, T-ball got in the way. Oh gosh, darn it. <laughs> yeah. But to see your play daughter play T-ball would probably be way better than watching yeah. the RNC. Yeah. Um, but she is a, um, Congresswoman hopeful. She's trying, yeah. she's running for Congress and I, I don't really have anything that great to say about her speech, but I did think that it was very clear, very concise. I had a, it had a very good call to action. I think it was a well-written speech. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether she wrote it or if somebody else wrote it, but, um, yeah, yeah. Young, you young, feel- young black woman. I thought she did a great job. And I think what she, her whole bit was bringing the black votes back to the Republicans, the party of Lincoln. That was her big thing. Not, and she didn't say it in so many words. No, but, no. And I think, you know, 
Trump tried to do that in 2016. He says, what do you have to lose? And I think there's this huge push. And Brian would tell you what we had to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. Episode 10. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, the whole like bringing the black vote back to the Republican Party has been a big push. and, And right now there's a lot of, well, what have the Democrats done for you? And that was a big thing. Oh, right. That was her big like, thing. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, what have Republicans done for the black community? Like Devil's it's advocate. a marginalized yeah. community. Yeah. And there's at least this idea of a platform to help the marginalized community, whether it be the black community, the Latino community yeah. or the Latinx or, or however I, however that's I say fine. That. Um, the LGBT community, like there are, don't forget the Q. Yeah, there are, you know, platform ideals that the Democrats hold. Now, can they come bring them all to fruition or, you know, actually get them made into law? Well, no, because McConnell's in the Senate. So probably not. But they there are attempts, right? Similar to like the stimulus package, right? That was voted on 60 days ago and passed in the House and it's been sitting in the Senate. Like it's going to pass. They're going to pass it right before election. They're going to pass it, pro- yeah, probably you're going to get October. That, you're going to get that money say, right at the I, end of October. Absolutely yeah. agree with you. And I mean, I'll still appreciate it, hundred <laughs> percent. Especially if they actually, well, they won't just uh, they won't pass the one that was in the house because there's back pay and all that. They won't go for that. But yeah. there there will be some sort of stimulus that happens right before. Little Hall and Oates. They won't go for that. <laughs> I love that song. See, Brian, I have a I wide do, variety. Yeah, of you are hitting <laughs> all the references. I am cracking up. I'm sorry to the audience if you just hear me cackling in the background. You have a lovely laugh. Um, I I do think there are a lot of issues, though. Oh, absolutely. Can I tell you my first one? Yeah, well, you start. I'm glad. I don't have to start just hammering away. You uh, the McCloskeys. And you know what? I was, and I, I have to tell Woo! you, I have to tell you that I, like, I... I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment. Absolutely. Huge. Huge. I believe it's there, too. Huge. (laughs) It's Um, in the Constitution. It is. It is. Asshole. (laughs) Dick. No, but I think that, um, you know what I mean? I I, At first, in their story, I was like, I... Okay, yes, I, I I believe in their right to own those guns and to protect their properties with those guns. I think they need a whole lot of gun safety training. Yeah. Um... And so, and I, and you know what? I'll end it there because we talked about this already. Yeah, that one didn't make the air. Oh, that one didn't make the no, air. No, that was oh. the Portland. You're right. Yeah. You're so we, right. We actually discussed this at length, and, and yeah, I'll and we'll be putting those up on Patreon. We'll put to, on like our mistake episodes, <laughs> the blooper reel. Yeah, to, those to are the uh oh. Be reels. fully transparent about gun rights and the Second Amendment. I was always of the mindset that, in general, I'm pretty indifferent two guns like if yeah. all of a sudden some miracle happens and there's a gun amendment to actually take away all guns i'm fine if people are able to own guns fine just do it responsibly that's all yeah. i've ever asked right. and i've i've come more to the center i was more towards like i think it, i think it would be better if we didn't have guns yeah and i still think that way but i'm i'm more understanding because right of my friendship with you as, as someone who supports the second amendment um, so vividly uh, I, I kind of understand that, that side. And I know right. I've made jokes like, well, if you can name me the other amendments, I'd be happy yeah. to support, you know, your, your feelings. 
And I know that's a little outlandish because it's harsh. Right. We're not all civics teachers. (laughs) Former. Former. (laughs) So I I do understand like, okay, this was a Second Amendment thing. And once again, I think we have to go back to they're trying to, you know, plant this idea in voters' heads that are either in the middle or on the right that Biden is coming for all your guns. Biden himself is a gun owner. He has never said he wants to, you know, get rid of guns. He supports gun law reform. So it's better, more responsible. And I'm, 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 right. I'm for that. Uh, I'm any, for reform. Any gun owner that is responsible should be for, Hey, we need to be responsible because Absolutely. of all people, they know better than anyone, the true power of owning a gun. Right. I'm la- Yeah. I'm laughing over here. Cause it's like, it's that scenario where it's like, you know what I mean? Well, how come you can own a gun? Well, I, I do it right. Oh. <laughs> Nobody does it right enough. Yeah. So, so the McCloskey's, I think they fell flat, dude. I think that I, that was such a waste of airtime. I saw because that. Because it was beyond first. Of, and I, you know how much I hate the scripted speeches. Yeah. Um, uh, it was beyond scripted. It was uncomfortably scripted. Oh my gosh. And not only that, the lead up to it, the broken gate. They had seven different angles of one broken gate. I know. And then it, classic media. It went into this like whole. Honestly, I thought it was a trailer for the Purge Four. That's I how I looked I at it. It was I, like I these rich white white people. Yeah. And it was like they talking got, about how they need I'll, their guns and all this, and it's like, and they were being assaulted, and I'm like, and we don't know going? the whole story. I'm just saying it was it was a waste of time. And it just, to me, it was like, you could have had so many better advocates for gun uh, rights. Yeah, responsible ones that didn't just point them randomly at people. Yeah, And I didn't understand. How about Jocko Jocko Wilnick? Yes. He would have been great. Yeah, have have some military veteran. Yeah, yeah, that has, you know, a presence about them. Have Tulsi Gabbard. I'm bringing her up again. She wouldn't have gone to the RNC. That was too messed Mm. up. She could have been their, uh, their Kasich. Well, they had uh, Vernon. Uh, oh yeah, and he was, he was just yeah. Fans are falling. Fa- yeah, it was just crazy watching him speak. But anyways, I felt with a lot of these speeches, they were painting this dystopian society that's going to come about. And once again, I I fall back on we're living everything that they're talking about right now in the Trump presidency, and then they painted as this is what Biden's presidency is going to look like. And it's like, you are actually describing the presidency we are living in right now. So how can you say that's going to be the next presidency? Unless it's something that Trump himself created. Now, I'm not blaming Trump completely for everything. Not saying that. He definitely should own a lot of it. But it's not all on him. But to say this crazy leftist president this socialist is going to run us into the ground and there's going to be so much civil unrest and the economy is going to be in the tank and you know we're going to be trampled by a virus it's like that's happening right Right. now yeah i think that um i see where they were going with this but i think that i mean the only policy that i've seen um that you know runs along those lines or was supported by people like AOC and mm-hmm. Warren and um and Bernie is he was kind of he and I don't think he's calling it the green new deal but he he's got a a plan that's very similar to that and I think that's what the republicans are kind of pulling at and I think they're kind of pulling at straws 
because uh, there's I don't think there's any any weight to that. I don't think that Biden is a very unless there's some crazy policies that he's come up with that I don't know of. I don't think that he's well, all, and Bernie, all that far left. Bernie himself said he's going to have some of the most progressive plans we've seen. So I think that's what they're like. Oh, my God. Yeah. The socialist is saying that he's going to be progressive. And it's like, first off, democratic socialist. <laughs> Secondly, this isn't I don't know how you can combat something that is protecting the environment and creating jobs hypothetically like that's what they're trying to right. do with this plan I'm all about like how can job you, creation how can, yeah how can you how can you go after that so and speaking of job creation one of the most frustrating things is the constant bashing of the Obama administration's economy yeah and Trump and it I was, feel like Nikki Haley did a Haley or Haley 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 yeah yeah I don't think I think she did a great I mean not that she had great things to say but I think that that's all she did was talk bad about Obama but yeah in uh, Kudlow Larry Kudlow did the same thing right. where he was talking about Trump saving the economy and I have this discussion with people all the time so we I, had this talk last time too yeah and the biggest thing is, is like in 2015 Obama's GDP grew 3.1 percent. The highest Trump's ever had was three percent, which is great. Like that should be celebrated. Like, hey, don't get me wrong, yeah, but stop saying you took over this fundamentally flawed economy. You took over one of the most expansive economies in the United States history and continued to floor it. Right. So, what Trump always kind of goes back to is the stock market. And I always have this argument. The stock market is not the greatest indicator of an economy. It's great for the 1% of the the wealth that's held by people. Yeah, and I think he said that a lot in his speech. He was talking about like how NASDAQ was up incredibly. And yeah, it, it set records. And it's in, yeah. in it, to his defense, it is above where it was before coronavirus. Like he's right. had that recovery, but that's not an economic recovery. We have how many millions of people still unemployed? We have people facing evictions. We have people that are going to be going into foreclosure. We have a lot of issues. The other thing that before coronavirus hit, job growth had stagnated. So unemployment was at an all-time low. But there wasn't this growth of jobs for more opportunity. So unemployment, one of the things that people fail to understand about unemployment is you are technically unemployed when you go from one job to the next, right. which means you could be taking a promotion at a different company, essentially you know, going up the ladder. So there's this mobility that was also lost because there's no job growth. So people were stagnant in where they were. Don't they also take into or not take into account somebody who was once working 40 hours making $70,000 a year if they even have a job making minimum wage? Yes, they are or, technically employed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of unfair too. You you pick up a side gig just to kind of make some money so you're not completely feeding off the government. Right. But, and and that's called underemployment, which is, right. you know, had issues with in within the Obama administration. It was going down, but it, it was there was still underemployment. That's even more, you know, recognized in the Trump administration. So right. don't get me wrong. He has done some good things in terms of the economy, but it's not what they say. And it certainly isn't better than what Obama had done. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I think we brought that up last time. I don't disagree with you at all on that. Um, all right. Well, we can go on about the RNC all day. I think maybe that it might be a good time to uh, oh, transition into Kenosha. Kenosha. It is a very difficult topic to discuss. I think we're going to try and stay as broad as possible since right. we don't know 
all of the details. We haven't seen a full police report. We've seen some videos and some witness testimony, but we haven't heard <clears throat> the full police report. We haven't heard the side of the police, so we want right. to be as broad as possible. And there's already been a few more. There's been more footage that's come out right. recently, too. Right. And what so, happened since, we also don't know all of the details, but right. we know what we've seen. Right. And so we're. Ba- this is basically going to, we'll kind of, um, we'll give a brief, um, you know, overview of what, what has happened so far, what's come out so far, and then kind of give our thoughts and uh, maybe go into a little bit of like, uh, not necessarily what's going on um, in this country, but, you know where there's some tension and what may be causing it. So Brian, do you want to go ahead and go into the story? Yeah. So essentially there is a domestic disturbance reported and I actually have the timeline that was released by the Milwaukee journal Sentinel. Um, essentially there was a barbecue going on in the neighborhood at about 5 PM, 5 11, a officers are being sent to the residence where there's a complaint of family trouble and from there, the officer tells dispatch that he's close. And then when he arrives, uh, you know, Blake is trying to leave, right? And there's this moment where, all right, the officer is calling for a backup and more squads arrive. And from there is where we see what transpires from what we know via video. Once again, there's been no police report of, you know, any other weapons involved, what exactly played out, what was said. None of that has been reported. What we do know, at least from a video, is at this point, Blake is <clears throat> being not detained, but is being... I think the official story is they were trying to detain him. Okay, so... Because there was a warrant out for his arrest. Correct. And at that point, he's and I'm being, just trying. I'm just. Yeah, I'm not no, no. arguing. Being, I'm just trying to yeah, tell the story being, the way that I understand. He's it. being difficult at this point. Correct. He's supposedly, resisting arrest. Supposedly, the officer went to discharge his taser and it failed. So some people say, all right, well, why didn't they just tase him? Supposedly, and that was my original response when you right. and I talked about it. Right, allegedly, a taser be- had failed. Now, there's no report of multiple officers trying tasers. One officer attempted to use the taser, and it failed. Correct. And at this point, there is a vehicle with Blake's children in the vehicle. I and thought he they is, were. Were they in the vehicle? They were in the vehicle. Okay. And he was going towards the vehicle. At this point, you can tell the officers in a kind of high alarm, yeah. you know, they're taking a physical stance of, all right, we need to make sure we, you know, put him down. Yeah. And, and can not, I, yeah, go ahead. And I'm, I'm just going to pause really quickly. Sure. Because, and I'm not sure if you saw the new video that came out, but basically they were trying to detain him. And I don't know where this lies in the feed of, um, the taser and everything like that, but they, they had him on the ground originally. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they were trying to arrest him. And the reason they were trying to arrest him, he had a, a criminal history. And this doesn't matter. Right. I'm just, again, I'm just we're laying, laying out, out the facts. all the facts we know. 
yeah, this isn't me defending one way or the other. I'm going to say things on both sides of the aisle or on both sides of the story here. Um, so he gets his way out of, uh, from underneath the copper, from wherever. I'm not sure the position. I'd have to rewatch the video, but he gets away and he go. He makes his way to the car. Right, and it's not it's not like a sprint or anything like that. Right. It is he's a wa- walking yeah. vigorously, like he's he's moving. But it's a brisk it's, walk. It's, walk. It's a brisk walk, and he opens the door, and he is then grabbed by the back of the shirt by right. the officer, and he's reaching into the vehicle. He's reaching into the vehicle. We don't know if there was a weapon or not. Right. And at that moment, we see the police officer shoot, and allegedly it was seven times right. in the back. Correct. We don't know if everyone hit. No. Uh, if he did take seven shots, it would be hard to miss from that, from that, that range. Yes. But yes. we know there was multiple shots, and you see uh, Blake go limp. And at that point, you also... It's said that, you know, horn was blaring because basically he, His arm he was went limp on to him. And um, <clears throat> currently, Blake is still alive. Correct. Critical condition. Uh, I Last I heard, he will be paralyzed. Okay. And he has not passed away. So this isn't a homicide. And, and last I heard, it was he was in critical but stable, stable condition. Yeah. So those are the facts that we know. Right. Right. So, Brian, give me, now that we've laid out the story, and we're going to keep this entire thing pretty calm, Um, so anybody looking for some banter back and forth, this is not going to be that It's too serious. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on it? Do you... I'm... And and, and just so so all the facts are out there, too, his criminal background, I'm not going to pull it up. I'm just going to, from what I read before um, and what I listened to, but it was domestic violence... He was a, um, what's the word for it? He had committed sexual assault and he was That a, was the alleged, what the warrant was for. Okay, sexual, so uh, sexual, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but he had also had some, um, he had assaulted police officers before. Or a police officer before. You want to look that up for me? Yeah, so uh, he was charged right with... Right into the microphone, Brian. Sorry, he was third degree sexual assault. Trespassing disorderly conduct is what he's was currently had a warrant out for his arrest. I, and, but there was previous. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what he had done previously, I, I can't pull it up right now. There were no actual chart. There were no convictions on his record. He had had. He was detained. Okay. Um, but the attorney representing Blake told uh, the newspaper that Blake had no previous criminal charges or convictions. Um, I don't know if that's a fact. I know there were allegations in the past. Um, he did have a mugshot, etc. And even if you know you're in a situation where you have a background where, all right, I have assault or some sort of violent crime in my history of some sort, police are going to treat you a little bit differently, black or white. Absolutely. And should. Rightfully, yeah, rightfully so. They should be hesitant, right? They should proceed with caution. But in today's day and age, I think they proceed with caution regardless. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of tension between people and police officers. So how do I feel about this? I'm really angry and I'm really sad. And I'm not angry at all police officers. I don't even know if I'm angry at that particular police officer 
I'm angry that this keeps happening. And and here's the thing too, Brian. Nobody wants to see this happen to anybody. It's a terrible thing. Regardless of whether what happened was justified or whether it was not justified, it's terrible regardless. Right. I don't Let's think agree. Anyone, I think we can agree on that. I think I well, yeah. I it, the general population, right? Right. Throw yeah. out any no, liars. Let's, yeah, no, leave the fringes the out. The general of it. population doesn't want to see this happen, but the general population isn't doing enough to stop seeing it happen. That's why I get angry. So, do you feel like, based on the and the, and just for anybody sure. listening to, we're trying I, to be as I don't want you guys to think. Yeah, we don't want any judgment um, put on us because of this. We're giving our thoughts on it. We don't know the facts are out, so you know what I mean? We could find out something tomorrow that completely changes our mind. Yeah. We're just talking about how we feel now and kind of playing both angles. I <clears throat> I have a big issue with court being held in the street. Agreed. And <clears throat> Agreed. We, I like seeing vigilantes on TV. I don't In real life. That man's too cool. Many, yeah, there's too many variables in real life. Right. Which <clears throat> we'll get to shortly, but... The idea of an officer using lethal force <clears throat> when someone is not presumably unarmed, even even armed, yeah. right? Okay, <clears throat> if they're armed and holding a gun to another police officer, I understand. If they're waving around a gun and they're not pointing it at someone, or there's not people nearby where you're threatening someone else's life, lethal force should not be used. Can you have your gun up? Yes. But should you be pulling the trigger to kill someone that is just in a bad mental state or something like that? No. I'm gonna I'm going to agree with you to an extent, but also disagree. Sure. I think that we forget the stresses. And again, I'm not defending one way or the other. I'm I'm just giving yeah. my thoughts. Yeah. I think that we forget how stressful it can be to be to, to be a police officer. I'm I'm telling you right now, I think it's the worst job to have in the US right now. I agree. Also the hardest job. Um, you know what I mean? Because now media is such a factor. I think that if somebody has a weapon and you think that they are a clear and present danger, how are you going to act in that situation? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. So <clears throat> put, put yourself in those shoes, Brian. Sure. Just a second before you say anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have a daughter. Okay. I have two boys. If I'm a police officer and I'm put in that situation, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, here's his rap sheet. Okay, mm -hmm. I want to make it home to my kids. Right. Okay, and again, not defending Brian. I'm just saying, put yourself in the, <clears throat> in those parameters. Sure, you know what I mean. Sure. And 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 what do you do? Yeah. I, so I, so you have a person who is who has a record or who at least has charges brought upon him. Now I'm looking at something right now and it's saying that he has been charged with one felony count of third degree sexual assault and alleged um, domestic abuse. Abuse, right. um, but no. Conviction. And it says, and it says, sex with a minor, uh, and it goes on and on. Yeah. So you're you you roll up to this house, okay? You try to play it cool. Right. Hopefully, again, we don't have the whole story. We don't know how what they said. Right. They could have taken right. on an antagonist. Oh my gosh! Right. <clears throat> or he mm -hmm. could have been, you know, completely unruly. We don't know. Um. So you you roll up on this house and um. You know, you, you know all of his priors. You try to um, bring him in. You try to subdue him. You try to tase him. Your taser doesn't work. He walks to a car. You don't know what's in the car. Sure. Okay. Everyone's tension is on high. Yes. Now, here's where I'm going to take a brief second to say, 
I think that there are some tactics that can come into play that could be trained, that could be taught on de-escalation because I think de-escalation is the ultimate goal in any encounter between police and citizen. I think that that is the ultimate way to do things no matter what's going on. Yes. That's your ultimate goal. Nobody's hurt. You come in. We, you have a fair and speedy trial. Um, so de-escalation is going to work in any circumstance where the tensions are high, whether it's political tensions whether it's criminal aspects, like if you and can I, de-escalate I think, I think, first, think, that's how you get to the best positive you, if, result. If, right. No, I'm not. If. It's the best path, right? Now, no, it doesn't always I'm work. That's what I'm saying. No. And that's what I wanted you to point out. It so, doesn't always work. So he reaches into the car. I'm not going to say that I think that shooting him was just, especially in the back. I think that at that point, you can, I think that tensions probably got the best of this officer. I'm not going to say he was justified. I'm not going to say he was not justified in doing it. I'm not going to take a stance on this. And I'm not, I don't think that's a cop-out in this situation. No, because we don't know everything. Exactly. Um, you know, we could find out tomorrow that there was an AK-47 in the passenger seat. Sure. Yeah, and we don't sure. know that. Um, I'm just saying. I think the police would have come out with that pretty quickly, though, to quiet the crowd. I, who knows? Who knows? Because we also, and you admitted to this, too. Not mm-hmm. admitted to this, but you had mentioned this, too. Yeah. That the mayor of Kenosha came out way Evers. too quick and just basically was like, he basically called it, you know. Yeah. So I will say that in my personal belief that the killing wasn't justified, if they do find it as justified, there was a gun under the seat. At that particular moment, he wasn't turned around with the gun in his hand shooting at someone. And that's, I have a very big issue with so, police always shooting first right now. Right. But. So, and let me ask you this, and this is not devil's advocate. Sure. This is just me, a different point of view. So, do we have to wait for a cop to be shot before the cops can fire back? Because so, then you're saying, because then, then I feel like you're almost saying a cop's life is worth less than a regular citizen. No, but I think they they need to exhaust everything first. Okay, yeah. And rarely has everything been exhausted before yeah. they shoot. Yeah. Like, and, he, didn't even, he didn't even try to use the back of the gun. On the guy's head or something, knock is him that, out. Is, is that a tactic they teach? I don't know. I don't know. But here's yeah, the thing. I think thing. that we should get a police officer on with us because I, I don't know what they're taught and what their tactics so, are. So, and here's the and thing. And maybe we can work that out in yeah. the future. And here's the thing. When I have these discussions, I think something that fails to be recognized by the other side is that <clears throat> I am not someone that doesn't support the police. My father was a police I never, officer. I never no, thought I know. that, yeah. Well, my father was a police officer. Yeah, Nobody father, thought that. <laughs> my father was a police officer for 27 years. I'm, I've always been and tried to be an upstanding citizen and do the right thing and listen to police officers. And I don't know what it would also be like to... To be on that end of things. To be on that end of things. I have former students that have become police officers who I have the utmost respect for. I have some that I don't really respect and wish they weren't police officers Just like every other person you know what i mean right um in fact michael c i don't think he even listens to the podcast but i'll shout him out he's a former student and he's constantly one of those people that goes out to the community and like yeah goes to schools and talks with children right. and that's how you build relations where you're not in a situation like this right right so i feel like there's not enough community outreach in certain areas and Kenosha's had a lot of high tensions between racial tensions and and tensions there's that I mean that's the that's the entire U.S. right now. 
Yes and no. I mean, there's certain suburbs where it's like yeah, they're mad like, that I where, got busted well, for skateboarding in the well, wrong area. Well, where you just have, and I was busted for skateboarding so many times. See, like there's that, but but I knew I was wrong. I, think, I was skating somewhere I wasn't <laughs> supposed to. <laughs> I think there's this element of this narrative keeps happening, and there was a shooting in Chicago, and there's no body cams, and and right. we we've come to the understanding that that was probably justified. I don't, I haven't heard a full ruling on it. We haven't heard anything else about but, it, which probably means it was justified, and the media doesn't want to cover it anymore. Well, that's me being cynical. Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think when we look at Eric Garner, we look at Tamir Rice, we look at George Floyd, we look at you know, um, not George Zimmerman. Uh, <laughs> Great chef, though. Yeah, George Zimmerman. Was no, no, George shooter. Zimmerman was the. Sorry, the I'm thinking uh, Andrew Zimmerman. Yeah. Sorry, I was like, great there's chef. some, there's some accidental yeah. uh, levity to so, the situation. So, and Kevin's now we have, now we have this James Blake, and and right. we're sitting here watching this narrative play out over and over. And here's the other thing about Kenosha that really frustrated me, and why I'm not just sad, but I'm angry, and I'm sad about it too. Yeah, I'm you not, are. I'm not angry no, yet. No. The the issue with the seventeen year old boy from Antioch that went up to Kenosha to play vigilante, yeah, yeah. whether I, or not he should sorry. have, yeah, whether or not he should have been there or not, he was there and he had a gun. And as far as I'm concerned, he went out there with a purpose. Right. And Explain the story say, a little bit too, Brian. Well, so he's from Antioch, which is about thirty forty minutes away from Kenosha. So, um, but essentially, you're going across state borders with your gun. And it was a rifle long. It was a that's long. A, that's against gun. the law. <laughs> right. It's, it's a, it's against the law, but it was also a long barreled gun. So it's not like he was just like, Oh, I need to make sure I'm protecting myself. He wanted to be a vigilante. And what ends up happening is we see this mob and it starts getting unruly. And at some point he shoots and whether he was being chased or he was, you know, leaving, whatever the case was, he shoots and someone is killed. He's running away. And you can see him running towards the cops. And whether or not he, some people are saying he turned himself in. The problem I have is there is this white man running with a, with a long gun strapped to his chest. And there are people running behind him saying he shot people and nothing is happening to him. There's a very, very difficult narrative to work around there. That's a tough situation. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to that, but I, I, I'm, I'm focusing because I think that you're branching off just a little bit too much here. In what sense? Well, because I wanted to focus on just the actual scenario first. Well, okay. And so, I think that you're, that's a, that's a, but, uh, a side uh, scenario. Yeah, but the problem is, is it shows the difference between how situations are handled. And that's the biggest. Okay, I won't. Dis- I won't disagree with you there. I didn't. Well, I didn't watch this footage, and I didn't read about it yet, yeah. Brian. I know you sent it over to me today, and I apologize. No, that's I didn't fine. get to it. Um, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna blame it on my kids. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, and, and why it's important for the digression is it. It highlights. I don't the think difference. it's, and I don't think that it's no. not important. I don't. I was just trying to refocus the conversation. Well, but see, that is the focus for me. Okay. Is okay. why I get so sad. And absolutely, about this. I, the, like the I result see, of it. I literally see two things happening, and they're treated and different results, right? And one guy actually shot and killed people, right? And the other guy, there's some suspicions of 
domestic disturbance and allegations right. and stuff like that. But I think the scenario in that situation plays a big role. In what I think. Sense? Um, well, and actually, uh, let me let me um, let me start that over because I think that what happened, based on the description that you gave me about this kid, um, regardless of color of skin, goes into Kenosha, drives thirty miles, and. I think what he did was, te- you know, I no, I do. I think what he did was terrible. It's not his job. He's not a police officer. He's not Batman. I don't think he should be up there with a gun shooting people or trying to protect people. Because I think what he was claiming that he was doing, right, Brian, was that he was trying to protect businesses in the area. Yeah, I, that's that's supposedly what he said story, he was yeah. in, anticipating doing. But, that's but regardless, not his exactly. Well. He and regardless, the law well, over and yes, over. yes, right, yes. He, and what did you say he had been charged with, or well, indi- now, no, indicted? No, indicted. so he, yeah, he's been charged with first degree homicide. I don't think he'll get that, but no, and I don't yeah. think he should I'm because he wasn't. Yeah. I don't think he went up there with the intention to kill to people. kill a particular person. Either. Yeah, it was, it was, and the and I'm not saying the the kid's name because he's 17. That's another problem I have is that a 17-year-old thought it was right to go and stop and, and stop these looters, and I have a, a duty to serve my country and all that. It's really sad. And, and I worked with 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds for you know the early part of my career, and it was some of the most rewarding work I ever got to do. But I also knew how troubled some of them were, and I have a very, very hard time placing all of this blame on this kid and i know that's kind of a weird take like i i don't i 100 i think think it's i think i think it's very um i am not compassionate but empathetic of you for sure i i 100 fault the police for not dealing with the situation the exact same way they will and and there will agree right there will agree but Um, i do have issue with the 17 year old who by all accounts, is like this guy who supports, you know, the blue, quote unquote, blue lives matter, yeah. Trump supporter and all that. And he thinks he's going to stop these looters who are the bane of human society. Right. And then he's, you see him towards the end and he's running away from these people because now they're like, you just shot and killed someone. We want yeah. to take you down. Yeah. And then he shoots two more people. Right. And then runs a hundred more yards, and the police literally don't get, even get out of the car. Two police cars go past him, right, to stop the mob from coming. Yeah, and, and instead a, of jumping a, out and swarming them, like, right, I'm not even asking that. I don't want them to shoot him, but right. like, get the hell out of the car and, and throw him down on the ground like you would anyone else. Yeah, and that's where I get really sad and frustrated, and I, I. I'm just hoping that at some point this country can, st- I told you I'm, this is weighing very heavily on me right now. Yeah. Not only Kenosha, but the direction of this country. I'm hoping for some leadership. I'm not saying Biden's perfect. I'm not saying Trump is at fault for everything, but like what, nothing is being de-escalated. Yeah. And, and now the chant is defund the police. And I do think we need to reallocate resources to the community. I think it was very poorly worded to say we're defunding the police because it says, right. hey, we're taking police off the streets. That's not what it's doing. It's reallocating the resources. Maybe they don't have the same amount of Mustangs and Chargers. And instead... Did they have Mustangs? 
dude, they have tons. Like, yeah, Mustangs and Chargers. I know Chargers. Yeah, there's Mustangs. Absolutely. Oh, man. And then you also see these, like, huge tanks. Tank-looking things. I know. Someone's going to be like, they're not a Sherman tank. They're tank-looking vehicles. SWAT vehicles, right? Right. Yeah. They don't need all of those. They don't need three to four. And here's the thing. I'm not going to say that they don't need them, Brian. There's other more pressing needs. I'm not, and I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think that, and I said this before, and I don't think this one aired either, but, um, or this point aired. Um, I don't think that, I think that there almost needs to be more funding to the police because I think they need better training. I think they need, um, yeah, I think they just need better training. And, and, and that's coming from a person who's, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have any family that are police officers, but I've got a lot of friends that are police sure. officers. Um, and I have all, the utmost respect. And, you know, thankfully, the people that I know that are in the police force are fantastic. Um, but I think that there, there can be some more training done. I also think, um, and this is me uh, coming from, like, a, a parental point of view, I think that we all need to take a deep breath yeah. There you go, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and and realize, and I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. I think we need to realize how hard it is to be a police officer and the stress that is on them. Because I know that we bring up, I know that people bring up like PTSD with military people. Sure. I think that if you're a police officer in Chicago, you know what I mean? You're going to have a lot of that same thing. When you're seeing killings every day and yeah. murders and all that kind of stuff, yeah. it weighs on you. And I think that... Um, can we say just, the same for a black man in the same area? I'm, I how, what? Huh? Don't they have PTSD? They're seeing friends Absolutely. killed in the oh, streets, right? Brian, so, Brian, but you're, you're, you know what though? You're coming at me hard there. No, no, I'm not. No, no, no yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is this. Mm-hmm. Okay, we start there. Okay, we build better relations. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. yeah. But I, I, I think that you're trying to pick a fight there, and I'm not. It's not a fight I'm willing to have. I think that, I think that you're right in your beliefs and I support them a hundred percent. Um, but I'm just going to say, I think that we need to see it from both sides and I think we need to analyze it. And I think that one thing we all need to do is, and and this is something that I'm hoping it's a lesson that we can kind of, uh, purvey here Mm -hmm. is that we need to get all the facts before we go crazy. Sure. Okay. Sure. I think that I am not, I don't like the idea of riots and things like that. Sure. I'm not saying, um, well, no, that's it. I don't like the idea of riots. I think that there's more constructive ways to do things, but I don't necessarily think that people shouldn't be able to. I think that's kind of partially what this country was. I mean, the the whole revolution was a riot, technically. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't say that it was bad. I just think that, um, yeah. I, I think agree. That I, think I we, agree. I think we all need to, I said this last time. Um, sometimes I just feel like what the world needs is a hug. And this, and I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying that, like, sometimes you know, you just got to spread a little bit of love. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with what you're saying in the idea of we need to de-escalate. Yeah, and, and I think that we need to stop judging. Yeah, to, to an extent. But I do have an issue with what you're saying. Is like police have it the hardest. They I'm have, not. No, 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 no. That's no, not no. what I'm saying. I know. That's but not you, what. Well, no, you, no, no, no. You said they have the hardest job in America. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm not saying they have the hardest. I'm saying as far as jobs go. Yeah. So 
Okay, so you I'm can't saying, say like being a person in the city is a job. No, no, no. But I'm saying. Okay, so finish what you're saying then. Like the idea of like these police officers deal with so much and all of that. I'm not saying that no one they else do. does. No, no, no. They do. Okay, okay. But what I'm saying is, as a black man in some of these areas, it's the exact opposite side of the spectrum. So it's right. weighted just as heavily. And I'm not and saying what, that either. Hold on. A lot of times. <laughs> at least certainly in the past, people weren't held responsible. There was no accountability. Understood. So that's that's why we're here, right? There Understood. was accountability on one side. Black men were right. going to jail all the time. They have like the highest incarceration rate. They have also, I mean, how many times do you hear stories of them being exonerated? I mean, there was a guy on America's Got Talent my wife was watching the other night. 37 years in jail was exonerated by DNA. He was... Life oh, without yeah. parole, right? Yeah. How many times do we hear but that story? What was the crime on that? Huh? What was the crime on that? I believe it was sexual assault. Oh God! So, Did you say? And you know what? And, and and if I may, yeah, go ahead. To that same point, there, and, I, and this is the stuff that drives me mad too. And this is like the criminal justice system. Um, there was the that the the and I gosh, I wish I knew the name. I didn't do enough research on this because I didn't know it would come mm-hmm, up. I mm-hmm. apologize. Oh. Um, but there was the young man. Um, black kid who was going to some big school on a college uh, or a full ride scholarship for football. Okay. okay. And some, uh, some girl accused him of raping. Sure. sure. Okay. She comes out like 15 years later. Sure. This guy had been in prison. He could, you know what I mean? He could have been drafted into the NFL. He could have done all this thing, all these things. Um, she comes out like 15 years later. Maybe it wasn't that long. I don't know. Again, I have to refresh myself in the story. And then he gets completely, yeah, set free. But so, like, but those years are gone. So there's another story called Picking Cotton. It's a book, and these two people go around touring the country and discussing it. Yeah, Picking Cotton. There was I forget his first name, but Mr. Cotton was uh, alleged to be a rapist, and the woman that accused him of rape, 100 percent thought it was him. Identified him on the stand. I've heard this story. Yes. So later on, but it comes continue. out he's exonerated by DNA evidence. Yeah. They become great friends and tour the country talking about how eyewitness testimony is no longer sufficient. Like right. they can psychologically right. prove that I, your your memory works in a way where oh, it's going to yeah. fill in the, when there's the stress. Pieces. Yes. Yeah. So yes. and she was adamant. Like when she gave her testimony, she stared into his face as he raped her. Because she needed to know and she needed to be able to prove who it was in the court of law. Right. And it turns out it wasn't him. Crazy. And they tour together. They've become great friends. How awesome is that, though? That's right? a beautiful story. You so know what? That's, that's where we right. see this restorative justice aspect. Like, right. hey, let's come together and build. And you know what? And on that positive note, yeah, Brian, I think that uh, we'll, we'll kind of bring it to a close here. Okay. Um, just with for fear of running too long, because I think that we could talk about this for a long time. Yeah. Not that it doesn't deserve to be talked about, because it yeah. does. Um, but I I think that um, although we have our different views on this, yeah, uh, not even different views. No, we we I think it's wrong. Th- that I think, he ends I up think de- yeah, exactly. I think we have different right. thought processes, and the way that we analyze it is differently. But we both agree on the situation and how it was handled. Um, it was terrible. Um, but I think that's a really positive note to end it on. You know what I mean? I think that, and, 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 and with that being said too, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my point of view on this. Yeah. And I hope that you felt as listened to as yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I did. I do. And, Good. and that's kind of what we always angle 
our podcast to be is like this opportunity to have differences of opinions and not just say agree to disagree and then walk away. Like, yeah, or we'll have, have a gi- or turn it into a giant shouting no, match or anything like that. You know, uh, Brian and I were uh, definitely lucky uh, to have run into each other and to have talked politics so early in our relationship as friends. Um, and uh, no, super grateful for it, dude. Have have the difficult conversations. Absolutely. Have them. And, and listen to each other. Yeah, actively listen. To each listen. Other. Actively Gosh. listen. And hopefully you guys can find it in your hearts to not only listen, but really empathize with whomever you are listening to. Absolutely. And... Like I always say, lead with empathy. I hope this country can start to do that. Um, I personally feel it's probably going to take an election. But I hope that my my deepest hope for this country is that we can truly find greatness. And that's when we lead with empathy. We raise the people that are below us up. We bring them up with us, and we continue to rise as as a community of Americans. God damn, Brian, you're good. You are good. Um, I do want to take just a moment to, um, you know, Brian and I are super lucky to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I appreciate you agreeing to do it with me. It was a silly text. I sent Brian one day saying, Hey, you know, we should do a podcast and Brian and Brian came up with the, the, the name, the mad libs. And I thought it was hilarious. Uh, and it's a long time in the making, but, um, I just want to take a moment to thank both of our wives, um, because they allow us to go into Brian's garage every Wednesday and Sunday night and uh, do this for far too many hours. <laughs> uh, but I especially want to thank my wife, uh, Anna. I just want to say happy birthday. It's Anna's birthday today. She turned 29. I want to say it is your birthday, period. <laughs> oh, you know when to hit me with the office references. <laughs> no, honestly, happy birthday. Uh, and, you know, thanks to our wives, but also thank you for listening. Yeah, you guys, I just want to let a quick, uh, quick shout out to everybody too. We hit, uh, over 500 downloads. 500. 500 in How our first month. How do we get month. this to 5,000 though in the next month? Uh, I think, you know what it At takes? this rate, we need 10 months. Now, <laughs> you know how we get to 5,000? It's listeners like you. Yeah. Sharing this out to yeah. your friends plugging us and saying hey i really enjoy listening to these two guys they're regular guys they talk about really tough things but i think they have you know different perspectives but they have great conversations yeah and this is your show too you guys yeah. give us so if the you feedback. want to be part of that yeah. conversation you know what i mean let us know give us topics give us constructive criticism uh tell brian how beautiful of a voice he has and uh yeah Everyone talks about how your voice is, well, is yeah. the great radio voice. That's because I do a bunch of post editing on it. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Oh, night. wait, 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 oh, wait. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Brian. Okay. Um, we are going to fully unwrap the RNC and go back and kind of fact check oh, things yeah. Get on ready for, Sunday. Yeah. So, RNC we, we, and DNC because Brian doesn't want to seem biased. No, I think there's less fact checking on the DNC is. side. <laughs> Uh, I might just take one whole episode for the RNC, yeah. and I, I do want to talk about Pompeo. Did he violate the law? Or oh yeah, I know we violate. He- we'll get to it. We'll get yeah. to it on see, Sunday. We'll see you guys on Sunday. We love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Hey guys, it's Kevin and Brian. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Mad Libs podcast. We really appreciate you guys' uh, time. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media. That includes Mad Libs Podcast on Instagram, Mad Libs Podcast on Facebook. And feel free to email us with any comments or questions at madlibspod at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening.